let's get right into the Word. You guys ready for the Word today? Amen. Well, we're going to continue in this series entitled Solomon Says. We're doing a series out of the book of Proverbs. And uh, just like Simon says, and you follow his instructions, Solomon gave us some really good instructions to follow throughout life. The book of Proverbs is a compilation of short instructions for living your best life right now. And you can go to a lot of other books in the Bible and you get a lot of like theological things, you know, the, the deep things that we need to understand about God and, the, and uh, in relation to God's divinity and just all of those theological concepts. You can go to other books and you'll learn more about individual stories or national stories of triumph and failure. You can go to other books of the Bible and read a lot about things to come, prophetic things that are yet to come. How many of you know that Jesus is coming back someday? Come on, are we excited about that? But you won't get a lot of that out of the book of Proverbs. There's some of those kinds of things there. What you're getting out of Proverbs is, here's the best way to live your life. If you will walk this way, if you will talk this way, if you will relate this way, this is the way of God, and this is the way that leads to life. And it's very instructional. It's very practical. And so that's what we've been dealing with. So far, we've talked about the fear of God. We've talked about the discipline of God. We've talked about cultivating a heart for God. We've talked about how our choices and our decisions in life determine our destiny. But today I want to talk about something else. And, and uh, so I want to read the scriptures before I talk about what Solomon says. Today we're going to be dealing with the idea of the righteousness of God. And there are about a hundred different references in the book of Proverbs to the righteousness of God. We've been singing about it today. There's been a little discussion on it today. And so I think, I think it's fitting that I'll just go ahead and preach about it. So... I just decided, no, it's already in my notes. But anyway, so in the book of Proverbs, I want you to, look, I'm going to read about three different portions of Scripture, and I want us to look at what Solomon has to say. Proverbs chapter 14, verse 34 says, Righteousness exalts a nation, but sin is a reproach to any people. Can we read that again? And would you read that out loud together with me? Righteousness exalts a nation but sin is a reproach to any people. Proverbs 11, 10 and 11. When it goes well with the righteous, the city rejoices. And when the wicked perish, there is jubilation. By the blessing of the upright, the city is exalted, but it is overthrown by the mouth of the wicked. So notice in these verses, he says, where there's righteousness, the city rejoices. And he says, where there is the blessing of the upright, the city is exalted. And the, there is an overthrown of the mouth of the wicked. And then Proverbs 11.30 says these words, The fruit of righteousness is a tree of life, and he who wins souls is wise. So today, I want to talk about, this is what Solomon says today. Solomon says, true, godly righteousness wins the city. It wins the world. It transforms 
life as we know it. Where there is the true righteousness of God, things are changed. And things are overcome. And he says right here that it exalts a nation. There's rejoicing in cities. There's the overthrow of wickedness. And the fruit of righteousness is a tree of life that wins souls. How many of you want to win some souls? Amen. So Lord, we invite you now to come and to speak in these next few moments. And God, we ask that you would redirect our thinking today about what it means to be true, truly righteous and what the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus does not only for us, but does through us. And I pray for your grace to be able to preach the word and for every one of us to receive it today. In Jesus' name, and everybody says amen. amen. All right, so the word righteousness means to be right, to be just, to be clean, to be fair. He said righteousness exalts the nation. That word exalts means to lift up or to, bring, to, bring, uh, to lift up in the sense of prospering. So God is righteous. How many of you know that's true? God is right. He's just. He's fair in all that he is and does. And, he, and basically what Solomon is telling us is when we follow God's righteousness and we follow his righteous ways, everything and everyone, to, everyone around us is better off. Now, from a human perspective, many things may seem to exalt a nation. We may think that military might, economic prosperity, status among the nations, cultural influences, athletic victory, a Republican in the White House, or the Democrats staying in the White House. We may think this makes America great or exalts the nation. But actually, what we learn from what Solomon says is that these things cannot match God's righteousness and his effect on the planet. Amen. You might, one, might, uh, one could say that the most patriotic thing that any one of us can do right here this morning would be to repent of our sin and receive and pursue God's righteousness in our lives. That's what is going to make America great again. Come on. And he said that righteousness exalts a nation, but sin is a reproach to any people. And that word reproach means it's a disgrace. It's a condemnation. It weakens. The rebellion and the brokenness of, of the sin all around us and the sin of our nation and all of our sin is wreaking havoc upon our nation. We live in a time right now, much like what Isaiah talked about in Isaiah chapter 5, verse 20, where it says, Woe to those who call evil good and good evil, who put darkness for light and light for darkness, who put bitter for sweet and sweet for bitter. The political and economic divide that we are experiencing right now in our nation, the racial tensions, the moral collapse, is increasingly weakening our nation and has consequently weakened, I think, the resolve of many of us as God's people. It's almost like we're feeling right now, I don't know if you feel this way, but I have felt this way and I've battled these kinds of feelings. You wonder, is there any hope for our nation? You wonder that. I'm not saying it's the truth. I'm just saying you have these thoughts. 
when things seem to be going so wrong, is it possible that doing the right thing can have any real effect in our time? Well, Solomon seemed to think so. Solomon seemed to think so, because about a hundred different times, he said things like what I started out with here today, talking about the effect of godly righteousness in the earth, and in a city, and in a people, and through a people, that where righteousness prevails, things happen, a world is better off, things get exalted, people get changed, but righteousness has to be there. And so Solomon seemed to think so. And through the pursuit of godly righteousness, we can see that a, a, a nation can be exalted, a city can have joy again. Wouldn't it be great for the, uh, the city of Butte, Montana to have the joy of the Lord? Yeah. Amen. Instead of the joy of alcohol? No, I'm... The joy of the Lord... Souls can be one where righteousness prevails. We know that in eternity, everything will be brought into righteous order. But until then, we are here to be the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus to the glory of God. And through that, God is going to change things. Now, the Bible speaks of three kinds of righteousness. There's self-righteousness. There's positional righteousness. And then there's practical righteousness. And if we're going to live in a world that has gone wrong, if we're going to live right in a world that's gone wrong, the first thing I want to share with us today is we have to unlearn self-righteousness. We have got to unlearn self-righteousness. How many of you know, maybe you don't know this, but I want to share with you today that self-righteousness is an attitude we learn to live in in our life. We watch it in others, and then we begin to live that out in our lives. Self-righteousness is a righteousness based on our own merits and our own works, which is not right. Can I get a good amen out there? A self-righteous person is someone who thinks that their good works earn them a place in good standing with God. I want to read a verse of scripture. Isaiah 64, verse 6 says, We are all infected and impure with sin. When we display our righteous deeds, they are nothing but filthy rags. Now, how do you feel about yourself? (laughs) We are all infected by sin. And when we try to do the right thing, we still foul it up. So whether you're a Christian trying to earn God's favor, or you're an unbeliever who believes that your innate goodness is all that really matters, both of them are self-righteous dead ends. Self-righteousness, it gets you nowhere. Not only do Christians act in self-righteous ways and think that they can earn God's favor in their life by doing their own work and doing, being good enough, good, uh, long enough, look up here, remember this, there's a lot of that going on in every one of us. 
And we think, though, if I can just do the right thing at the right time in the right way, that somehow God would be more pleased with me, and I will earn God's favor, but that is a dead-end road. It brings you nowhere. But there are people who don't believe in God who are also self-righteous. Because they think that their good works is all that really matters, and that, that they'll, they'll go to a better place just because they're a good person most of the time, or at least they're better than you. Amen. It's self-righteousness. But the Bible tells us that there is not one righteous person. No, not one. We were all born with a sin nature where we all commit sin and we learn pretty early in life to be self-righteous. It's the Garden of Eden and all over again. What happened when the, when the serpent came and tempted Eve with the, with the fruit? Basically, what he was doing was appealing to her inner nature. She was created like God. She was in the image of God. She was perfect. She was without sin. But the serpent came in and said, you don't have to do what God tells you to do. You just do what you think is best. You, yeah, you do you. And then the problem with that was that sin came because she thought that she could attain her own righteousness. And you can't. Self-righteousness is destructive and it destroys. We think we can be our own savior and our own God. We don't, that we don't need anybody telling us what to do. What we need to do, church, is we have to, listen, if righteousness is going to redeem the culture around us, if God is going to move through the righteousness of his people, we have got to unlearn the attitude of self-righteousness. Self-righteousness is a very dangerous attitude. It, can, it cannot help the world. It's not going to help anyone around us. Look at Proverbs 20, verse 9. It says, who can say, who in the world can say, I have made my heart clean. I am pure from my sin. A self-righteous person thinks that they, are, they can fix themselves, they can better themselves, they can clean themselves up, they can get their act together in and of themselves, and they think that that'll just... That'll get them where they need to go. That's self-righteousness. No one can take care of that in themselves. A a self-righteous person has a distorted sense of reality. They just don't realize how messed up they really are and how much they really do need God. Amen. And they also have an inflated ego thinking that they're better than pretty much anybody else. That they can do this better than the other person, or at least all that really matters is I just got to be better than you. Then there, the self-righteous person also has a tendency to reject accountability. They can't admit when they're wrong. They won't admit it, which means that they don't work well with others, and they tend to reject correction. You can't say anything to a self-righteous person. Church, we cannot be self-righteous in our attitude. We have to be correctable. We have to be trainable. We have to, we have to be adjustable. We have to have a heart of repentance if we're going to walk in the righteousness that God called us in. They, uh, self-righteous people uh, tend to reject correction. A self-righteous person is also condemning and judgmental of others. They're quick to point out the sins of others with an air of superiority. Well, I never did that. Well, at least I didn't do that. At least I'm not like that. 
That's self-righteous attitude. That's not the righteousness of God. It's a self-righteous, condemning, judgmental attitude. Jesus said in Matthew 5.20, He said, I say to you that unless your righteousness exceeds the righteousness of the scribes and the Pharisees, you will by no means enter the kingdom of heaven. What was the righteousness of the scribes and Pharisees? They were traditionalists. They were separatists. They thought that they were better than everyone else. They focused on their outward appearance, on the things that they did. In fact, they made up their own rules to live by and then said to everybody else, you got to do it the way I do it. And Jesus said, if you want to get anywhere in the kingdom of God, you cannot have that kind of righteousness. That destroys. In fact, Jesus went on to say in another place, he said, you go out and you make people just like you and you make them seven times worse than you are. That kind of righteousness is destructive. So if we're going to live right in a world that's gone wrong, we have got to unlearn the attitude of self-righteousness. Which brings me then to this next point. If we're going to live right in a wrong world, we've got to understand our positional righteousness. We have to understand the righteousness that we received through Jesus Christ. Solomon said in Proverbs 4-7, In all you're getting, get understanding. To understand something is to have the ability to know what to do with the truth that you've learned. We need to understand our righteousness in Christ. Positional righteousness is where we have been made right with God through no effort of ourselves. Come on, can I get a good amen? amen. We cannot be self-righteous. Self-righteousness destroys we need to be righteous. How do I, how can I be righteous? Well, it's not in what you do, but what Jesus has done for you that makes you righteous. Righteousness is a gift of God through faith in Jesus Christ. Paul said in Romans 3.22, we are made right with God by placing our faith in Jesus Christ. And this is true for everyone who believes, no matter who you are, no matter where you're from, no matter what country, what the color of your skin, male, female, rich, poor, no matter your pedigree, here's how it works with God. You believe in the Lord Jesus Christ, and He makes you righteous. Amen. Amen. You don't make yourself righteous. That's self-righteousness. I'm a self-made man. Well, you're in trouble. You want to be a God-made man or woman. You want to be someone who's been made righteous by God, not by you. And how do you get there? Well, Paul said in Romans 3.22, we are made right with God. In other words, God looks at us now because we put our faith in what Jesus did for us on the cross. He looks at us and he says, you are no longer wrong, you're right. You are righteous. You are holy. You are clean. You are pure. Come on, church. Isn't this good news? When we put our faith in Jesus and who He is and what He's done, we have been declared right before God. What is this idea of faith? He says, 
when uh, we are made right with God by placing our faith in Jesus. Everybody say faith. Faith is utter and total dependence upon something or someone else. So when you're putting your faith in Jesus, you're saying, I'm not trusting in my good works. I'm not trusting in my ability. I'm trusting in what Jesus did on the cross for me. And what he did on the cross for me is all that matters. It begins there, it ends there. That's where it starts. That's, that's how the Christian life begins. By putting your faith in what Jesus did on the cross when he shed his blood for you and I. And we're totally dependent on that fact. And when we are dependent upon God alone, God sees that and he rewards that and he gives us the gift of righteousness. And you might be out there thinking, well, I don't feel very righteous. So? We don't walk by our feelings, we walk by our faith. The weather, the circumstances may bombard you and you don't feel righteous. But that doesn't matter because if you believed on the Lord Jesus Christ, you are righteous. Without doubt. And there are times, how about this? Let's just take it one step further. What if, as a Christian, you do something that's not too righteous? You know, you give somebody the gesture in the car down the street, or you say something you shouldn't say, or you think or you dwell on a thought a little too long. Do you think that you just become unrighteous because... You did something that didn't align with your faith? The Bible tells us that that that's not true. God doesn't just give you righteousness and take it away when you foul up. Because when I need righteousness the most is when I foul up. When I blow it. Amen? And so, it's a work of faith. God looks at your faith. Your confidence is in the Lord Jesus. And when you trust in Him, God made you righteous, which means you can't unmake yourself righteous. He made you righteous. Amen, church. So our righteousness is a gift of God through faith in Jesus. Righteousness is our new identity in Christ. Turn to somebody and say, if you're a Christian, turn to them and say, you are righteous. Go ahead and tell them that. This is your identity. Who are you? Who are you? Not what you do. I'm not asking, what do you do? Who are you? You are the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. How'd you get there? Believing on Jesus. But... But don't you got to do some good stuff? Well, good stuff comes, we'll talk about that later. But nothing good that I have done can get me there. Jesus did all the good at the start. And he made the way for me to get there and to be righteous. Now, this is my identity. I am the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. 
I tell you, I know that I know I'm preaching to the choir, but you would you would hardly believe how many people struggle with these things in their in the privacy of their own thought. Especially when they fall and they then they get up and they fall again and then they get up and they go down and they're doing pretty good for a little while and then they fall again and at some point they think, no, it, it can't be, it just can't be that I'm righteous. Why are you guys quiet? <laughs> this is your identity. This is who you are. You're righteous. Righteousness exalts a nation. Not self-righteousness. That destroys a nation. And that destroys a lot of people in the nation. Because we think in our self-righteousness, we're going to correct them and make them better than they are. And self-righteousness doesn't help anybody. It doesn't save anybody. It doesn't deliver anybody. So if I'm not going to be self-righteous, what am I going to be? I've got to be positionally righteous, imputed righteousness, God-given righteousness. Got to be righteous. This is my identity. And how do I get that? I get it through faith. So this makes me who I am. Paul said in 2 Corinthians 5.17, he said, therefore, if anyone is in Christ. In fact, would you read this out loud with me? Therefore. Ready? Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. The old is gone. It's gone. Amen. Just like this, what Caitlin and I, we clean to this point. It used to look like that all the way down here. The old is gone. Woo, come on now, I'm, getting, I'm starting to get happy. The old life is gone. The new has come. The old thing has passed away. What old thing? My old me. My old unrighteousness. My old sinful ways. It's gone. All things have become new. All things. How many things have become new? All things. That covers your whole life. Amen. And then he goes on in verse 21, and he says, For he, that is, Father God, made him, Jesus, who knew no sin, to be sin, to, to uh, be sin for us, that we might become the righteousness of God in him. So when I believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, the Lord makes me a brand new person. Now I have a new identity. And, in that, and, and what happens with that new identity is that everything about my life is brand new. And I know you see the same old me, and I know I may grapple with some of my old kind of lifestyle attitudes and things like that, but I'm a new person. I'm a different person. I have a different identity. I've been changed. In fact, Peter said that we are now partakers, listen to this, of the divine nature. I am partaker of God's nature. Hallelujah. Isn't that good news? And then he's, so Paul explains in verse 21, he says, here's how it worked. God made Jesus, who never committed a sin, to become the offering of sin for us, because we were the sinner. Right? That we might become the righteousness of God. So what happened on the cross 2,000 years ago? 
Jesus took upon himself our sin. He never committed a sin. He never committed a wrong in his entire life. He was without sin, but he became the sin sacrifice in that God poured out all of the sin of humanity on Jesus. He became an offering for our sin, and he took our sin, and then he turned around and gave us his righteousness. Isn't that great news? That's what they call the great exchange. I want that kind of exchange in my money, too. No. Remember the prodigal son? When he went away and squandered all of his living, and he spent it on prostitute and partying and just, just gave it all away. He took all this blessing from his father and spent it on himself, and he wound up in the pig pen of life. And then he said, I'll, you know what I'll do? I'll go back home, and I'll, I'll, I'll just go work for my father. See, that's what a lot of people, that's what a lot of Christians are living. They're living a kind of Christianity where they're just trying to make God happy. Just trying to better their life. Oh, I was in a pig pen, but I got myself up out of the pig pen, and now I'm, I'm going to get things back in order, and I'm going to try to fix my life. I'm going to try to better myself. I'm going to read a few self-help books and try to you know, combine those things with this idea of Christianity. I'm just going to try to make Father happy. That's not real Christianity, and that's not righteousness. And so he goes home, and his father sees him a great way off. And he jumps off the porch and he runs to his son. And he wraps his arms around him and kisses him profusely. And then he said, go out. Go back home and bring the best robe. Everybody say the best robe. He doesn't get, he doesn't get the hand-me-down. He gets the best robe. Put it on him. And then he put a ring on his finger and he put shoes on his feet and We know that the ring symbolizes the authority was given back to him because there was a family crest on the ring and they would stamp uh, that crest on documents and they would be able to buy and sell. So the father restored authority to his son. He put shoes on his feet, which speaks of God's unending blessing for his life. But he he put the best robe on him. And you know what that robe is? It's the robe of righteousness. Come on. Isaiah chapter 61 verse 10 says, For he has clothed me with the garments of salvation. He has covered me with the robe of righteousness. Now when God dresses you, that's that's pretty good dress. Amen. He robes you, he covers you with the robe of righteousness. And so even as you're wearing the robe, you do something you shouldn't do. It's not like the robe is just ripped off your shoulders. No, you're covered. Amen. Is this working? You're covered. Next time you fall flat on your face, just say it right out loud. I'm covered. I'm covered because it says here, he has covered me with the robe of righteousness. I'm so glad I'm covered. Amen.
How many are glad you've been made right through the blood of Jesus Christ? Not anything of yourself. So, self-righteousness doesn't exalt a nation. It just further hurts and devastate, devastates and weakens a nation. And there's a lot of self-righteousness going on today. And it's not working. But how do we rectify that? Well, the only way, there's only really one way, is to be made right by God. Become positionally right in the eyes of Almighty God. But then, once you've been made right with God, to live right in a world gone wrong, we need to unleash the power of practical righteousness. See, practical righteousness is where we live out what God has worked on the inside of us. I am righteous. Amen. So what does that do for me? Well, it makes me right before God. And as a result of who I am, because this is my identity, now now I need to take steps to live it out in my life, not to please God or to keep Him happy with me or to ensure that I'm saved. I am saved. I belong to Him. I am righteous before Him. But as a righteous person, I live right. Amen. And so practical righteousness is moment by moment, day by day, obedience to God. When you know who you are, then you know what you're about. If you know that you're righteous, then you know that righteousness is what you're about. I want to bring us back to uh, Proverbs 11.30. This is what I read in the very beginning. Proverbs 11.30 says, The fruit of righteousness is a tree of life. In other words, life is produced out of righteousness. And he who wins souls is wise. And so here's here's what Solomon is saying. If If we are going to walk in the righteousness of God, we're going to be a tree of life. And people who partake of us are going to experience life. They're going to be one. They're going to be redeemed. They're going to be saved. They're going to be changed because of what God has done in me and what God is going to do through me. We need, how many of you know we need a winning attitude around here? We need to have a winning attitude. I know that it looks bad right now. I know that it may feel bad in the culture. But church, now is not the time to cower, to withdraw, to fade away, or to, to silence ourselves, or remove ourselves. We need to be up front, and we need to get out front more. Why? Because we are the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. And God wants to spread His righteousness everywhere. Amen. Amen. So... Our goal is to exalt the nation. How many want to exalt or better the United States of America? Look, we got flags representing not all the nations, but pretty close. Every one of them need to encounter the righteousness of God, and it exalts the nation. It will bless the city. How many want to bless Butte, Montana? And it will win souls. How do we do this? How to live righteously in a world gone wrong. So I want to do this pretty quickly. I just got some things out of the book of Proverbs. This is what, these are some ideas that Solomon tells us about how to live in the righteousness in which God made you righteous, how to live that out. Number one, we need to build a life of moral integrity. 
Proverbs chapter 20, verse 7 says, The righteous man walks in his integrity. His children are blessed after him. And so on and so on and so on. If we're going to be people that walk in the righteousness of God, it is important that we have a heart of integrity in our life where we build our life on the Word of God. A person of integrity will tell the truth even if it hurts. A person of integrity will keep promises even if they would rather not. A person of integrity will confront problems instead of walking away from problems. A a person of integrity will forgive even when they would rather hold a grudge. A person of integrity will do the right thing even when everyone else is doing the wrong thing. Or they'll do the right thing even when nobody else is watching them. That's what integrity is. And he says here that a righteous man walks in his integrity and his family follows after him. And what we need in our nation today is a revival in our homes. Amen. You say, I want it in the White House. God says, I want it in your house. I can deal with the White House, but i got to get it in all the other houses. See, we get it flipped around and we get it backwards. And we think we're helping. We're not helping. It starts right here. It starts right here. Amen. Build a life of moral integrity. Here's another thing that Solomon talks about how to live righteously. We need to be bold in our faith. We need to have bold faith. Proverbs 28 verse 1 says, The wicked flee when no one pursues, but the righteous are bold as a lion. It's not popular today, right now. It doesn't feel very popular to call yourself a Christian. (laughs) But rather than being fearful of man, we need to be bold in our faith. People who know that they are right with God will pursue righteous endeavors against all odds. Now is not the time for us to give up or to walk away or to turn back. We need to be bold in who we are. We need to be bold with our vision. We need to be bold with our faith. We need to go after it. Why? Because we're righteous before God. God has made us righteous. And this is what righteous people do. This is what a righteous God does. And so this is what we do because we've been made right in Him. We need to have that bold faith like Noah had bold faith in his time and in his culture. When everyone was coming against Him, when everyone was decrying Him, when everyone was making fun of Him, He just kept building that ark for the saving of His family and for the saving of those around Him. He just kept building that ark. That's what a righteous man does. Amen. Come on, can I get a good amen? Amen. Here's another thing that we need to do as righteous people. We need to speak life-giving, righteous words. Proverbs chapter 10, verse 11 says, The mouth of the righteous is a well of life, but violence covers the mouth of the wicked. Proverbs 15, 28 says, The heart of the righteous studies how to answer, but the mouth of the wicked pours out evil. So, There is a lot of talking going on, and not all of it good. There's a lot of vlogging, blogging, tweeting, comment sections. Everybody's got an opinion. 
Everybody has their ideas and they're spewing them out. But righteous people speak righteous words. Amen. Amen. Come on. Is this hitting close to home for anybody? It's easy. It's easy pickings. It's low-hanging fruit to curse the world. Anybody can do it. Try walking into the pit of hell and bringing life there. That's what God did when the chaos and the darkness of the, of the world, the Bible said, God said, let there be, and there was. In the darkness, in the chaos, in the confusion, that's what he did. He was a righteous God. He spoke righteous words. He spoke life-giving words, creative words. Anybody can condemn and curse. And a whole lot of us do that. <laughs> Not you, of course. Everybody who's not here. This is what Jesus did everywhere he went. He walked into the darkness and he brought life. He brought truth into that. And church, this is what righteous people do. So we need to change the way we talk about our city. We need to change the way we talk about our president. I got one yep. And we'll work on it. We'll take what we can get. And that goes if Trump was in there too, just in case. Just in case. Speak life. It's easy to speak death. But life is in the power of your tongue. Like you, you can say things and turn things. You can say things and things are created. Why? Because you were made in the image of God, who is right. And you are like Him. You're right. You don't go around telling people, I'm right. <laughs> Just live it. Amen. Amen. Don't go bragging about it. Don't try, go trying to convince everybody else. Just be it. Amen. We need, uh, here's another thing. I got to hurry. We, here's another thing that righteous people do. They show compassionate generosity. Proverbs 29 verse 7 says, The righteous considers the cause of the poor, but the wicked does not understand such knowledge. Proverbs 21 verse 26 says, The righteous gives and does not spare. We're even told this is how compassionate and generous we're supposed to be. Solomon, I I don't think it's going to come up on the screen, but he even taught us, and this is to my own shame, he taught us in Proverbs 12.10 that a righteous man regards the life of his animal. I've talked about a sack full of kittens going to the river and kicking their dog. and So I have to repent now. I've read the Bible. And it says here, a righteous man regards the life of his animal. You can't go around kicking the dog. But we live in a pretty broken and displaced world. We live in a world where there's a lot of hurt. We live in a world where people are confused and mentally bankrupt. There's a lot of there's a, lot of, there's a lot of pain and, and hurt going on all around us. 
And I mean, you can, you can just kind of drive down the street and see. I mean, I've, I've never seen more people walking the streets than I have in the, these last few years around here. There's just a lot of this going on. So what, what do we do? Well, we could point the finger and say, well, they just need to you know, get saved. Well, yeah, we all need to get saved. But there is this thing of showing compassion and generosity and mercy and love because people are hurting. Remember, righteousness causes a city to rejoice. Righteousness exalts a nation. How, what does that look like? Well, partly upping my generosity and my mercy and my compassion to those around, to, to those around us. Amen. Here's another thing that he says that righteous people do. They, you, they don't ever give up. Proverbs 12, 13 says, The wicked is ensnared by the transgression of his lips, but the righteous will come through their troubles. Come on, turn to somebody and say, I'm going through. I'm not going under. Tell them that. Now, listen to me. Righteous people. We can't give up. We can't quit right now. We got to hold our ground. We got to stand in the evil day. We got to stand in the righteousness in which we've been made righteous. Hold on to our integrity. Walk it out. Live it out. Let's not quit. Now is not the time to quit. Now is the time to keep moving forward. Because God's got things to do. And He doesn't do it without you and me. We can't do it without Him, but He won't do it without us. And so He says, I got you there, and I got you. Amen. And He says right here, but the righteous will come through their trouble. I'm going through. Amen. You going through? And then there's one final thing. Katie or somebody, can I have a keyboard player? Uh, There's one final thing. You know, we always got to throw this last point in here. Always, always, always pray. Proverbs 15, 29 says, The Lord is far from the wicked, but he hears the prayer of the righteous. God is listening to us. I know sometimes you wonder, are you listening, God? Come on, anybody like me? I was over in the prayer room this morning. I, it, I couldn't get off the runway in prayer today. I was over there, and I was thinking as we were praying, I was thinking about back in May when we did the 10 days to Pentecost, and we had prayer every morning and every evening, and I, many of us showed up to a lot of those, and, and, or at least some of those, and, and I remember it was, it was work. It was, there was a, an element of work, but there was also an element of excitement in it. And we were praying. We believed that we were gaining ground. We believed that we were taking ground. But I'm going to tell you, ever since then, I have battled in my prayer life. It's been like I feel this blockage. I feel sometimes like I'm hitting a wall. I thought I was going to have revival after 10 days of Pentecost. I felt like I went into non-revival. I don't, it's not a word, but... And then I started thinking... I started having thoughts, is this working? Is this working? 
Is this working? The Lord hears the prayers of the righteous. That's just a statement of fact. The Lord hears the prayers of a righteous mom mourning over the lostness of her child or father over the lostness of their child. The Lord hears the prayer of righteous people enduring persecution and frustration and difficulty. The Lord hears the prayer of righteous people who lost their job. The Lord hears the prayers of righteous people. Period. And what's, what makes me righteous? My good works? We, we already settled that. No. It's because you believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. You are righteous. And he says, Solomon says, he hears you. Don't ever give up. Always pray. It's what makes the difference. And so... If go ahead, come on up here. I'm going to need a microphone here. Just, um, yeah, there we go. Come on up here, Bev. Bev's got some good news that she's going to share. But let me let me just say that God is always listening to us. God is always working. He may not just be working the way you think He should. And we base this on His promise to us who He has made righteous. Amen. Now, Bev, I don't know if this is on. Let me, yes, it is on. I think I know what you're going to say, but go ahead and say whatever you want to say. Yeah, I had a call last week with Tim. In fact, it was last Tuesday, this final Tuesday. It was to... Uh, it was to make arrangements for our son the doctors on Monday had told us there was no chance, there was no brain activity left in the baby. So we decided as a family to go over Tuesday and that we would say our goodbyes to them. And we've done this twice since the third, since the 10th of June. They've told us twice, two different neurologists, two different doctors, that he was not going to live, that we needed to take this horse up because he was going to be a vegetable. So finally, I gave in on Tuesday. The support of this body and the support of the righteous, the ones that know that Christ is our righteousness, mm -hmm. has drawn Dan and I and our family through the most traumatic times of our life. Tuesday, we made our way over there. Our daughter-in-law called us when we were halfway over, and the neurologist who's a believer said, your son is making significant changes. He's today old. He's today awake. He's today moving arms and legs, which he was never to do. They did make a mistake this morning. They gave him the remote. <laughs> Hopefully, prayerfully, he recognizes his righteousness in Christ. And he grows to be just a light to this world, just a light to Christ and his love. We love the Lord so much. We love this body of believers so much. We love, we love the righteousness of Christ. And we love Tim. And he's off on Tuesday. <laughs> off on Tuesday. Oh, yes. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you, Bev. Yeah, we, 
that's an, that, that was literally, uh, you, you, I don't think it would be too far off to say, God raised him from the dead. <laughs> I mean, that's how they were talking. And uh, God is good. He's here today. He's here to touch lives. Can I have the prayer folks come on up here? Do we have some people lined out? I don't know if we do. Oh, hey, we got, we got Caitlin and Isaac and Daniel and Rachel and Dan and Bev, and we got Julie over here. Come on. Wes and... Awesome. Hey, God is in the tent today, and He's here to do some work. And if you need... Listen, if you don't know that you are righteous, you don't have to leave here questioning that today. If you, want to, if you don't know Jesus as your Lord and Savior... One of the best things you could do today before you leave is come. And I would find somebody that you feel comfortable with and just say, I want to give my life to Jesus. I want to be made right from the inside out. And I want my life to change. Or if you're here and you need a healing touch, we've already got a testimony. Bev is here. They've experienced a powerful work. Um, If you need a healing touch, you can come to any one of these up here and they will pray with you. Let's all stand together. How many are you glad you've been made right with God through Jesus? Come on, can we lift our hands and lift your hands and praise the Lord for that right now. Lord, we bless you and thank you that we have been made right with you. You are so good. Thank you, Lord, that it wasn't dependent upon us and it will never be dependent upon us. It was always on you, your shoulders. Literally, you bore on your shoulders our sins, our afflictions. You were able to carry the load and you made us righteous. We love you, Jesus. Amen and amen. Church, if you need prayer, come on. Otherwise, God bless you. You're dismissed. But come this way if you need prayer for anything.